Welcome to Chronic Life with Never-Ending Pain. I'm Crystal Chavez. Definitely can't guarantee this podcast will make you feel any better, but I hope it makes you feel less alone. I don't know what it's been like where you live, but San Antonio has been boiling hot. Triple-digit heat, day after day after day after day after day. And it doesn't even need to be hot for a hot flash. I can get those straight up in the AC. I asked some fibro friends how they cope with hot flashes and hear some of their responses. Stick my head in the freezer, pool time, cool shower, put feet into a tub of cool water, ice packs. Another mentioned a fan that goes around your neck that looks like headphones. Genius, an undercover fan. I have three words for that. Add to cart. Our guest today is Dr. Stephanie Fabian, Director of Mayo Clinic's Women's Health. Her expertise on hot flashes is in relation to menopause, the time marking the end of a person's menstrual cycles. Dr. Fabian explains what a hot flash feels like for those lucky enough not to know. Well, a hot flash is feelings of intense warmth and heat and a feeling of sweating that starts in the upper chest or neck area and spreads to the head and can be very intense for some women. It can last about anywhere from one to five minutes and then dissipates. And for some women, they may be lucky enough to get none, but for others, these can occur multiple times per hour and can be severe enough to stop women in their tracks. So they have to stop what they're doing or it wakes them up from a sound sleep. Explain what's going on in the brain when when you get a hot flash. That's a good question. We don't know what's going on in the brain. We know that there are some neurons called the candy neurons or the kispeptin, neurokinin B, and dynorphin neurons that are in the hypothalamus that may have something to do with this. They appear to be overactive in women after menopause. So that seems to be the target uh, for some therapies since including one, a newly developed therapy that came on the market in the last month directed to hot flash management. At what age may a woman start getting these in relation to menopause or perimenopause? Well, menopause is defined as no menstrual period for one year. Perimenopause is the time leading up to that where ovarian function can be a little bit spotty, and that can last six to 10 years before a woman's last menstrual period. So a woman can have these symptoms anywhere during the perimenopausal timeframe up through and past the time that she has her last menstrual period. Do we know how many women in the U.S. suffer from hot flashes? Is that known? Well, we know about 75% of women will have hot flashes. Not all of them will have hot flashes severe enough to require treatment, but the majority of women going through menopause will have hot flashes. What are some vitamins or supplements people can take to help ease hot flashes? None. No? Tell no, me more. There are no vitamins and supplements that have uh, enough evidence to support their use for the management of hot flashes. What about food and nutrition? Are there, I mean, food is medicine. I've heard plant-based eating could help. There's really not enough evidence to suggest that. We know weight loss may help women with hot flashes. And so any diet that causes weight loss may help. 
there has been some preliminary data that a whole food plant-based diet that is rich in soy may help, but that study, the results were a little bit unclear in terms of the women also lost weight and they were taking a soy supplement, which is sometimes been thought to help with hot flashes. Although if you look at the studies, soy really isn't effective in, in and of itself. So the study was a little bit unclear in that there was weight loss associated with it too, but no one can recommend against a whole food plant-based diet. That's of course healthy for everyone. So if people are having hot flashes that last what seems like a long time, maybe it's affecting their life, quality of life significantly, what are some medications or treatment options? Yes, yeah, so hormone therapy is the most effective therapy for the management of hot flashes and night sweats. And for the majority of women who are under the age of 60 and within 10 years of menopause onset, the benefits outweigh the risks. Um, and that is assuming that a woman doesn't have any contraindications to the use of hormone therapy. What are those? That would be a history of breast cancer or a history of blood clot, including a blood clot in the lung or a blood clot in the legs, a history of heart attack or stroke or severe liver disease. So those are the main contraindications to the use. Most other women can use hormone therapy. What is hormone therapy exactly? Hormone therapy is estrogen for those women who have no uterus, so have had a hysterectomy, or the combination of estrogen plus a progestogen for those women with their uteri. So that means if you have a uterus, the estrogen alone can promote the growth of the lining of the uterus, and we need to use a progestogen to help protect against overgrowth of that lining. So for women with the uterus, it's the two hormones. For women without a uterus, they can use estrogen by itself. So I don't know if I'm in perimenopause and I feel like I have these really bad hot flashes related to like rheumatoid arthritis, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, not really sure, um, and others listening might be in the same boat, would hormone therapy be something for us? Or is this just like related to a menopause? Hormone therapy only works for hot flashes related to menopause, but it could be that you know, many women experience joint aches during the menopause transition. And I think many are actually diagnosed with fibromyalgia when it really is the menopause transition that's causing the joint aches. And so it's worth asking the question as to whether or not hormone therapy might be helpful for the hot flashes in your particular situation. That's interesting. I've also seen antidepressants are sometimes prescribed, which could be like, I can see some women being like, but wait, I'm not depressed. <laughs> or am I? Sure. For those women who cannot or choose not to use hormone therapy, which again is the most effective, it reduces hot flashes by 90 to 95%. Then antidepressants, the SSRIs and SNRIs can be used. They've been studied in clinical trials. They reduce hot flashes by around 50 to maybe 60%. So not as effective as hormone therapy, but can be a good option to take the edge off for those women who can't use hormone therapy and could be a good option for those women also experiencing some anxiety or mood symptoms as well. For something as common as menopause and something that affects almost all women, I mean, it seems like there should be more options. I mean, why aren't there? Well, we have very effective options, actually. Okay. Hormone therapy is very effective. 
We do have another option on the market that was just approved in the last month, and that drug is called fezolinaton. That's an NK3 receptor antagonist, so it blocks the NK3 receptor in the brain. Not as effective as hormone therapy probably, although they haven't been directly compared head-to-head, but is a non-hormonal option that's newly on the market for the management of hot flashes. Is hormone therapy expensive? It depends on the form. So there are pills, patches, sprays, gels, vaginal rings, and they're covered to varying degrees by insurance companies. So some of those are more expensive than others. The pill form is probably the least expensive and in fact is very inexpensive, but we often try to avoid the pill form in women with risk factors for cardiovascular disease because when you take a pill by mouth that has to go through the liver for digestion, when it goes through the liver, it can increase blood clot proteins and increase the risk of of blood clot because of that, similar to a birth control pill. So we may use a patch or something that goes through the skin for those women who are at higher risk. So the cost is maybe different with the patch versus the pill. The patch is often a little bit more expensive. Okay. And did I hear you say it's 75% of women who have menopause experience hot flashes? Correct. 75% of women going through the menopause transition will have hot flashes. And are there any groups more at risk than others? Sure. Great question. We're just starting to study the the impact of uh, race and ethnicity and other factors on hot flashes. And we know that Black women uh, experience an earlier onset of hot flashes and often have a longer duration of hot flashes, uh, lasting about 10 years on average. Similarly, Hispanic women may have a longer duration of hot flashes as well or more severe symptoms. So We're just starting to be able to tease that apart to be able to better inform women based on their personal histories. We also know that women who have had adverse childhood experiences seem to have worse hot flashes as well. I mean, as a Latina, is there any indication? I know you said it's pretty new research, but any indication as to why these minority groups seem more affected? Yeah, it's probably not genetics. It's probably more social determinants of health that are impacting these differences. So it may be access to healthcare, financial insecurity, food insecurity, education, etc. So it is very likely to be other factors that influence this rather than a genetic difference. As a national expert on the topic, is there something you think more people should know? Well, first of all, that these symptoms are manageable and that women don't have to suffer. We know that the majority of women out there who are having hot flashes aren't getting treated for them. We know that women experience, you know, decreased quality of life related to hot flashes. They can also impact women at work. And a recent study that we published showed the impact of hot flashes and other menopause symptoms in the workplace is quite substantial, such that on average, about 11% of women were missing days of work due to menopause symptoms specifically. And the economic impact of that is in the billions of dollars in the United States every year. So we estimated about a $1.8 billion economic impact as a result of missed days of work related to menopause symptoms. And if you include the healthcare costs associated with that, the impact is around $26 billion annually. So it's not a trivial thing that we're talking about. This really impacts women in their daily lives 
and at work. $26 billion. Wow. Is there anything I didn't ask you that you want to add? Well, again, women need to be advocates for themselves. If they feel like their medical providers are not listening to them, they should seek care elsewhere. And there's a lot of uh, good information out there, but there's a lot of misinformation about menopause and its treatments. A good place to go for scientific evidence-based information is the Menopause Society, and that's at menopause.org. We have good information and, and even a link to a directory where you can find a provider in your area that is certified in menopause management. There's a lot of misinformation out there about what's effective and what's not. And again, we just published information on, did a complete review of what works and what doesn't that's non-hormonal for hot flash management. The things that do work, cognitive behavioral therapy works, um, hypnosis works. Those to help are the, these hot flashes? Yes, actually. So there's good evidence that these things work. And then, you know, there's a number of non-hormonal medications like the antidepressants, but also gabapentin and a bladder drug called oxybutynin has also been found to be effective for hot flashes is another non-hormonal, but prescription therapy. I feel like CBT is the answer to so many things. Like we had an episode on insomnia and they were talking about CBT for that. Yeah. So CBT doesn't reduce the number of hot flashes you're getting, but it can reduce the bother associated with them so they can feel less severe. And then I saw something about acupuncture. Acupuncture is tough to study because, you know, it's tough to put all these studies together and look at them as a group because they're putting needles in different places for different amounts of time. And so the most recent meta-analyses, so where they collect all the studies and look at them together, did not show an impact of acupuncture beyond sham acupuncture, where they're putting the needles in the wrong places for menopause. However, both of them work. Sham acupuncture works too. So there's probably a strong placebo effect there. So if women feel like it's helping them and if it isn't causing harm, there's probably no harm associated with it, but really it didn't look any better than the sham control. That was the Mayo Clinic's Dr. Stephanie Fabian. You've been listening to Chronic, life with a never-ending pain. Support the show by clicking on the purple heart right there on your screen. Your donos are used to pay for Adobe Audition, Buzzsprout, and honestly, sometimes just coffee to fuel up my production days. Thank you for listening. You can find me on all the socials. Well, most of them. I'm Crystal Chavez. This song is from Blue Dot Sessions. The title's Blood Petal.